0: Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode, we are on with Ryan Stevens, who is a host of his own Athletic Training Podcast, Catalyzing Podcast. And so in this episode, we just talk about what he's focusing on. He's taking a very different approach than a lot of the other podcasts out there. Uh, It's a very unique one and a good one. I think it's really awesome for the profession. So we can talk about that. This will be a little bit of a crossover episode, so we hope you enjoy that. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. We thank our friends over there for supporting us and what we do and just the profession overall. If you have any questions or ideas, please get a hold of Mueller. They are more than happy to listen. With that, enjoy this episode. This episode of Athletic Training Chat, we are on with Ryan Stevens of the Catalyzing Podcast. Um, he actually reached out to us sharing what he's doing. Um, and it's very unique. Uh, to be honest with you, when we started this thing, we kind of looked around and there wasn't a lot of athletic training podcasts that existed, and now there seems like there's five or six, which is awesome. Um so this works out well. But with that, I'm gonna turn over to Ryan, just give a little bit more background of what he does on the day-to-day basis and how he got started with his own podcast.
1: Thanks, Joel. Well, I definitely appreciate the opportunity to to have a conversation with you. I love what you're doing with with your uh, podcast, giving athletic trainers a chance to tell their stories, and I think it's valuable. Um, we can learn a lot from the stories of others, and sometimes not always obvious lessons, but we can a lot of times take out of it what we need to to, yeah. to help ourselves. But um, from my perspective, I am a certified athletic trainer. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist. 16 years or so, um, been doing this professionally. And the last portion of my career, I've really worked into more leadership roles to the point where now I am the manager of athletic training, physical therapy, and fitness for two hospitals uh, that are part of New Jersey's largest healthcare system, Robert Wood Johnson, part of his health. Uh, and in that role, basically, I manage athletic training partnerships, about 20 of them that we have within the community, ranging from secondary school to uh, the collegiate uh, club sports setting, to even uh, the performing arts setting, which is exciting. Uh, And then outside of that, I also help to manage operations and uh, clinical uh, oversight for our physical therapy clinics for four of them and for our performance fitness service line. So uh, I'm fortunate on a daily, daily basis to not only still be actively involved in the athletic training service provision, but also get to really work and bridge that gap between athletic training and physical therapy and athletic training and fitness and then other healthcare um, and health and wellness professionals. And I think that's really where this passion stems for my podcast that I started is, you know, the catalyzing podcast, the whole point of that, the why behind it is to really give back to our profession that, that you love, that I love, and, and really just find a way for us as athletic trainers to learn from the conversations that I have with a variety of people, uh, both inside our profession and outside of our profession, and you're going to, you know, see, I uh, have guests that are both cert- certified athletic trainers as well as fitness coaches, or um, I've got someone coming on in the near future who is in charge of culture and uh, diversity and inclusion um, mm-hmm. at the hospital. So, like a lot of different topics that I'm going to be bringing in. Some of them are going to be clinical, other ones are going to be more so just helping us be more effective in our career, career growth strategies, uh, interpersonal development, or some you know uh, in-depth clinical conversations too. So I'm doing this on my own. It's a chance to uh, really connect with athletic trainers all over the country. Um, it's also a great way to promote the the spread of our brand um, from an athletic training perspective. And uh, you know that's just kind of a secondary component of it because I want people to know the great things that we're doing um, through the conversations that we're having and seeing the impact that is making on other people. Um, that's what's most important is that it is making a positive impact on other people, but it's also helping athletic trainers, um, be more effective in what they do as well. Absolutely. Yeah, there seems like, um, going on these
0: days with just, again, it's always been the brand thing, but you know, trainer versus athletic trainer and now some others mm-hmm. coming up and, um, Twitter is always a real interesting place to see
2: where yeah. come from, you
0: know, <laughs> absolutely come from. So based on what you're doing, I really like that. Cause I honestly, I think the first one you sent me, was one of your first episodes. It was almost more around like business related. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the exact title, of it, but it was business related. It wasn't anything clinical. And so obviously clinical skills are important. I think we're an interesting profession because we do so much. Um, whether that mile wide inch or two deep thing is actually real or otherwise it's just something that we say but what skill set do you think athletic trainers are missing out on outside of the clinical skills and maybe just the general like administrative stuff you know balancing budget you know things like that that do come with the profession but what have you seen
1: I think the biggest thing is that it's so dependent on where your passions lie and what setting you work in that the athletic trainers out there have to be adaptable and you have to have your base foundation of your clinical skill set. Um, you know, We do a great job of maintaining our emergency care uh, preparation, risk abatement in those realms, uh, acute injury assessment, chronic injury assessment, all that stuff. I think areas that we can continue to grow as a profession and learn from other professions as well, too, is just continuing to study rehabilitation, biomechanics, um, and manual interventions. A lot of times there's kind of turf wars between athletic trainers and physical therapists. Unfortunately, when I see it as we can learn from each other, Uh, we can learn a lot from what the PTs are doing in the clinic. And in an ideal world, in my opinion, you have athletic trainers and PTs working side by side in the clinic, treating the populations that they're, they're best suited for.
2: Yeah.
1: And you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of athletic trainers are so busy with learning the emergency preparedness, the emergency response, the evaluation part of it, that we don't always invest a lot of time in the advanced rehab concepts or yeah. learning about muscle energy approaches if you have a um, the hip asymmetry or... Know, leg length discrepancy, learning about myofascial release and, and promoting self-myofascial release with different approaches, um, You know, maybe just advanced biomechanical assessment, because the reality is, is a lot of traditional settings, you don't always have the time nor the bandwidth to do a lot of rehab, to do a lot of treatment, so you have to triage a lot of stuff. Right. I know from experience that that's difficult, but I also know from experience that it can be done if you have a systematic approach to doing it. And throughout my career, I've really invested in learning from fitness professionals to understand strength and conditioning concepts better to help my return to play protocols and my yeah. prevention dynamic warm-up protocols go to another level. I've learned from physical therapists to become a better manual clinician and learned those approaches that even if maybe I'm not doing it myself, I can teach uh, the the athlete, especially if it's a minor, teach them how to do it themselves so that learn learning from it. But then as you get into other settings, we potentially might have an opportunity to do that more frequently, that hands-on work or that rehab. So my first challenge to athletic trainers is to really just, in addition to building what your foundation is right now what you come out of school with, learn from fitness professionals, learn from physical therapists, collaborate, and really take those rehab skills to the next level and take those manual skills to the next level. Because if we're going to talk about, you know, the respect that, that, for example, PTs get compared to the respect, the perceived respect in the public athletic trainers get, Mm -hmm. what better way to do that than to hone those skills and then have the results speak for themselves. The the patients that we work with saying the great things that they got out of the rehab and treatment from their athletic trainer in addition to the rehab and treatment they get from their PTs, then it makes it easier for us to, to speak to that about how we bring that same value in different ways um, not to take anything away from PTs, but to same, bring the same type of value in certain situations with that skill set. Um, and that also makes our job easier as athletic trainers, especially in the secondary school um, setting. If you just continue to triage things and, and just kind of slap band-aids on conditions that have a biomechanical foundation or that have you know a, a root cause that can be addressed through some advanced rehab or manual approaches, you're creating less work for yourself down the road because that person will get better. And then you're also going to make a better impression on the physicians that you work with too, because if they're seeing that some of your athletes are getting better with you alone with, without having to need to be referred out for advanced PT or, or care, you know, sometimes you need that advanced care. Absolutely. When you don't have the bandwidth or the resources, but there's other times where you can do that in house and should be doing that in house mm-hmm. and the results of that. And then that, athlete, that parent of that athlete, or that patient going back to that physician and saying that they've been working with that athletic trainer and they've been doing the rehab and they've gotten significantly better, that builds rapport and confidence with that physician. Now that physician's going to want to work with that AT even more versus just assuming that they, they don't have the ability or the skill set to handle those, those cases on a regular basis.
0: I agree. That's so important. So important. Complementary group working together, you know, and finding the balance of, you know, some people might have some areas of expertise. Um, if you're watching this, sorry for the mascot cat in the back um, right now. Um, there he is. Anywho, but yes, um, I couldn't agree more with that. I think being able to check your ego and also just know you're not going to be amazing at everything. It's just too hard exactly. too be big. Um, but that's also the fun of it because you can always try and know more. So.
1: Well, that's a good point is is it comes back to self-awareness, Joe, and, and knowing what is your niche, um, right. you know and, and what is your strengths, and build those and really be the best in the world in that area, in whatever you choose to do as your niche, but then also be good enough in those other areas to complement that niche, and build allies around you that are really good in those other areas you're not good at, so you have them as resources to either to, to team a team approach to care. Uh, or just personally to help you grow. And that's the second part, I think, that we need to do a a great job as um, athletic trainers. And I think this has been better over the last five years or so as a profession. There's more talk around this, but it's still something we can continue to do is just build those interpersonal skills, build our conversation skills, our communication skills, self-awareness of our nonverbal communication, um, just the ability to go out and do public speaking and, and do it in a way that represents our profession well and to educate doing that. That's such a valuable thing that if we talk about the profession wanting to have more uh, clout and more respect from the community, those are things you can do immediately that will make a bigger difference that will have people outside of athletic training saying, wow, that that message was delivered by a, a certified athletic trainer, that's awesome. I didn't know they knew that or I didn't know they did that. And that's on us to do that. We have to take ownership of, of that. And public speaking isn't for everyone. Um, what communication is doesn't you know, no matter if you want to do public speaking or talks or workshops in the public or not. The reality is, is you need to be good at communicating with physicians and colleagues and the parents of the athletes. And then when breakdowns in those communications happen, that's where errors happen. That's where avoidable uh, errors happen. And that is where you know, lack of continuity of care happens. And that ultimately makes everybody's job worse and the patient suffers. So, learning how to be self-aware of your own communication style, uh, being effective and proactive in communicating and connecting with others in your network that you might have to to work with, those are things that we need to continue to do as athletic trainers. And there is a skill behind that. Not everybody can do it or feels naturally um, comfortable to do it, but that's where there are things such as going out and taking a Dale Carnegie class in public speaking or going to join Toastmasters or... Um, going to a, a business, a fitness business seminar where you can learn about sales, even though we're not making sales in the traditional athletic training setting, we are having to influence and persuade and get buy-in and motivational interviewing is a big part of that. So those are areas that I've really invested the last decade of my career in because I recognized earlier in my career, I sucked at that mm-hmm. and I need to be better at that um, You know, I had to check my ego and realize that I didn't know everything, and that I I needed to get better, and I needed to become more self-aware, and then becoming more self-aware that I need to become more empathetic to others, become a better active listener, and become a better communicator. Right. And that took some effort, and and I'm still nowhere near where I want to be on that journey. I'm still working hard on it every day, Um, but that's one thing that we can make that personal investment in, and it doesn't cost anything to make that investment other than just mindset and, and personal. Um, approach and then seeking out those allies for sure yeah that's a
0: <laughs> area that you can get a ton of information on and never know at all exactly um you kind of tying into that like um quality of life for athletic trainers um and selling ourselves and selling our brand i know i've tried to evolve out of this i've only been certified for 10 years i say only it seems like forever um But like the work-life balance like i go back and forth on it you know is it truly work-life balance it's your passion but at the same time like there's a lot of conversation about the pay out there for certain jobs and how we get around and that could be its own whole episode but um what are your what are your thoughts on that and like how you balance that while still being able to project our worth but not having that be the mindset of, you know, first one in, last one to leave all the time.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that first starts with knowing knowing yourself well and knowing what you're able to do and what is outside your, your control. Um, when it comes to work-life balance, I don't know if there is such a thing because it's such a variable um, concept. There's an athletic trainer here in New Jersey. His name is Chris Flores. He talks about this concept of work-life wave, which I actually really agree with um Thomas Plummer as well speaks to this in the fitness business realm of you know it's not that you're perfectly going to be having a neutral balanced life every week but there's times when you got to grind and you got to work hard because you you are working on an initiative or that you are passionate about getting better at something but then you have to balance that out with other times where you do pull back and you take some time for yourself Um, You practice that self care. So while not be every single week, there's perfect balance over the course of the year, there should be balance. And and that's really everybody has to do that self assessment of what is balanced to them. I have four kids and and a wife at home. So like, in addition to a very busy job, that's the most important role that I have personally, is I want to be a great father and a great husband and I want to be available to them. And it's hard at times because of the demands of the job. I also love what I do tremendously, and, and the key is is finding balance. You know, I'm fortunate to have a a, a workplace that has a, a pretty uh, healthy PTO uh, opportunity. Uh, I've got a fantastic team that that I can rely on. That we help each other out when we need time off, and and that just makes that easier. And I think it all starts with defining for yourself what is balance to you, and that balance has to also be in alignment with what are your personal professional goals and then what strategies are you doing to not only move towards those personal goals but also self-care take care of yourself are you working out are you are you taking care of yourself with stress management techniques do you have allies around you that are releases that you can have conversations with to vent about things Um, you know are you surrounding yourself with people on the same mission as yourself and spiritually, if that's something that's important to you, which regardless of what you believe, I think there has to be a spiritual component to everything. Uh, You know, are you investing time in that? And all those things really go into work-life balance. There's not one particular uh, formula for it. I think it's up to us to determine what is balanced for us, but it's also up to us to determine when we are feeling unbalanced and stressed, And it all starts with pointing the finger back at yourself of what can I do differently? Am I just saying yes to every opportunity? And do I need to say no sometimes? But if I say no, do I need to be prepared for pushback and is it realistic to say no or am I saying no to things that are really within my realm of responsibility and I need to be better at managing my time or better at delegating or working collaboratively so that if I don't have the time to do what I'm expected to do, I'm pulling teammates in or I'm, better in utilizing my time to get things done with prioritization. Uh, I think we get so often caught up in placing blame in others for our being so busy with everything.
2: But the reality
1: is, is we do it to ourselves because we want to do great things and we want to invest and help everybody. Sometimes you can't help everybody. Sometimes you can't control everything. So the key is, is being an advocate for yourself while also being a very self-aware advocate for yourself because knowing that if you are used to doing something and those around you are used to you doing something and you stop doing that or you pull back from that, there needs to be either a plan B as to who's going to take over for that or why is it that you're pulling back and everybody's on the same page so that it doesn't look like you're just slacking off, you know? because I don't think anybody purposely wants to do that. They just get worn out mentally, physically, and we we start to pull back. That's just a sign that we need to take some recovery time. So to, to kind of get back to your original question, I think the key to work-life balance for athletic trainers is to really, A, focus on writing down what are your goals in your life and what do I need to do to get there? B, what are the priorities in my life um, and how do I balance those, those top three or four areas so that they all get the attention they need? And, and, and third, most importantly, how am I taking care of myself? Because if I'm not refueling my, myself, I'm not going to be able to give my best for everyone else. If I'm run down, if I'm sick, if I'm frustrated and you know, ticked off and a jerk to people because I'm stressed, that's only going to have a ripple effect on others, and we can't let that happen. We have, so the key with that is is we need to be able to take care of ourselves before we continue to take care of others, and, that, and have to do that first and foremost uh, so that you can give your all and, and use your gifts and, and be able to you know, bless those around you with those gifts
0: well said
2: very well said
0: yeah that's one we i've tried to take a look at you know no is both an, be an answer and explanation but also making sure you've had that really hard self-reflection of knowing you're doing a really good job and you're putting everything out there and you're not you know but also not just being there to be there because you feel obligated to be there right not actually getting anything done because now that's when it can get aggravating and, Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's always a tough one. (laughs) Uh, Lots of changes going on in the profession, as you kind of alluded to, and we've kind of said, um, changes in education, so on and so forth, um, different things like that. What do you see as, like, one of the main barriers for athletic trainers in the profession and just the profession itself moving forward, whether it be settings, pay, pay, just general selling ourselves to get ourselves to where we believe, you know, internally we know we need to be, but getting everybody else to understand that. What what do you see as one of the biggest
1: challenges? I think you mentioned it earlier. You mentioned about ego. Um, I think that's a big part of it. And it's good to have a an ego because you need to have a confidence and you need to definitely look like you know what you're doing. But at the same regard, I think sometimes ego can hold us back. Um, if we fear collaborating with other professions because of giving away secrets or losing business to them, um, if we if we fear seeking feedback for ourselves because we don't want to feel like we failed or we don't want to think that we've done something wrong or made mistakes, you know that we have to get that feedback from others to help us feel better. And I think that's a big part of of what If anything does hold us back, I'm so proud of our profession, of where we've gone in the last, you know, 15 years, 16 years of my career. I'm I'm so proud of it. I don't feel like we are being held back right now. I think that we're moving forward in a great way. But that is something that could hold us back if it were to happen. And that also goes to, you know, as we move forward as a profession, just because we've always done something doesn't mean we always have to continue doing it. And the key with that is that we have to embrace the past. We have to learn from the past. What was working, we got to still do it and build on it. And what was not working, even if it didn't work before, do we try it again a different way? Did the, did the, did the visions change? We just needed a new did the vision change or did the plan change? You know, so do we have the same vision? We just need a new plan. Or that vision wasn't working, so now we need a new vision. And I, I think that we are doing a good job with that. Um, that is in no way a slight to the athletic trainers who came before us. Without them, we wouldn't be here. And I think that's very important for everyone to recognize. Uh, at the same time, those who are later in your career, we can learn from younger professionals as well coming out. And I, I talk about that a lot. Is you know, I've learned a lot from the younger professionals on our team as well as the more seasoned experienced athletic trainers out there uh, that I've I've connected with. And we have to be able to open, be open to learning from everyone around us in order to help us continue to grow as a profession. But also like you're doing, like I'm trying to do with this podcast, we need to tell stories because you know one thing is learning stuff in a textbook. And another thing is learning stuff from the experience of others. And, and that's where, we can continue to grow as a profession is by learning from each other, sharing our experiences, sharing our failures, sharing our successes. And that's going to allow us to continue to move forward as a profession to do the great things and then impact even more people beyond the traditional sports setting. I believe in the value of athletic trainers beyond the traditional settings. Um, as long as we do it right, and, and we do it respectfully of the fact that Um, You know, we're not necessarily going into other people's territory, but we're doing it collaboratively with them to make that area of this world better. Um, And that's what we have to, that's the mindset I feel we have to go into it with. And if you have that kind of mindset versus we're going to go into that area to take that opportunity away from another profession or another group of people, that's where we have issues. And then that's where things start to happen that hold us back. Um, There's no shortage of people out there in this world that, that we can help. And oh, yeah, um, keep that in mind. You know that's that's the key there. Um, but we're going to have to be more business savvy. We're going to have to be better communicators because you know you have to speak to the fact that there is competition out there, and you know ultimately all you know with all boats rising, we should be able to provide better care. Right. Uh, you don't necessarily want to sink other boats so that your boat can float up float higher we don't want to do that um, but we want to do what we can to allow us to rise at the same level that others are rising as well and focusing on that will allow us to move forward with that mindset i'm confident that there's some really exciting things in the future of athletic training and i'm excited to to do whatever i can to to try and be a part of it
0: yeah i couldn't agree more absolutely um kind of the last question we had just from where you've gone um, and what you're focusing on um, and very unique sides of athletic training as you're talking about, do you have any best practices or resources that you've come across? I mean, you mentioned Dale Carnegie, um, love the book. I haven't ever taken a course, but love all his books. Um, I've heard Toastmasters from more people than I can remember that you should do it. I honestly have never looked it up if that exists in the area, but, um, should myself, but other things that you found that people could utilize.
1: I think that, I mean, there's unlimited resources out there. If you have the mindset of, of a growth mindset and you want to find ways to be better. Um, I've learned so much Not, I mean, I had a fantastic undergraduate experience at Penn state. My clinical experience, I think, got off to a really great start from that. A master's program helped me tremendously and I'm probably the only athletic trainer in the world that has a master's in humanistic and multicultural education yeah, uh, was I, I, I believe I am the only one um, <laughs> because uh, that was a, uh, a degree that I got that was filled with teachers and human service professionals uh, social workers about you know education of self and um, collaboration skills and empathy and communication and all those life skills, those soft skills right. that are kind of hard to do sometimes.
2: Right.
1: Uh, but you know, those are ways that I grew myself to try and put myself in a better position. But I also recognized I needed to do those to be better because I recognized you know, self-awareness-wise that I, I needed to be better in those areas. You know, we all just need to focus on self-awareness And, you know, reading books like Dale Carnegie, um, you know, studying people both in and out of our profession who have been successful in business and in life, learn from their lessons and take out of it what you feel is applicable to you. You know, there's fantastic clinical coursework out there. I think everyone absolutely should continue to invest in going to courses. Um, You know, a lot of great uh, perform better puts on a lot of great fitness focused courses, but there's a lot of rehab components, corrective exercise that you can get out of that. That's a valuable thing. Dale Carnegie is one of the most valuable courses I've ever taken. Um, I took a Simon Sinek Start With Why course, which was tremendously valuable. Uh, His books are are fantastic in terms of understanding the, the, being able to connect with people's passion and then a why, but also work through your own why. Um, Little things like that. National Fitness Business Alliance business courses with like Thomas Plummer. Um, just, I, it's un, unending the amount of people that I've learned from in my career. I'm so thankful for those opportunities. But I can say honestly that the reason I've had those opportunities to learn from those people is because I've gone out of my way to reach out and connect with people proactively to you know, develop a rapport with them and to offer to help them and at times they've offered to help me, and I've learned from them both in the official, you know, course uh, style, but also just in sitting down at the bar and having a conversation and talking about things like that, you know. And that's that's where we can continue to get better. So we have our books, we have our traditional clinical skill sets. We have to continue to hone that, and then we also need to look outside of that and just have conversations with other successful people, both in and outside of athletic training. That's what's going to help us to, to grow to the next level. I think that's the biggest um, resource that I've found in my career. It, it's a broad resource, but that category of, of those type of things have really made a tremendous impact on my life and helped me to, to, to get where I am today.
0: Awesome. Those are a lot of good resources that we'll be happy to link up for everybody to get to. Um, anything else specifically that you'd like to cover that we didn't get to before we jump into... The AT Chat Five.
1: No, I think um, you know we can go into the AT Chat Five, but I think the the biggest thing that I want to just stress um, that uh, there's a there's a a phrase that I don't know who coined it, but I, I like to use it all the time. Uh, it's called uh, "Look at yourself from the balcony." You know, when I talk to my team about that a lot. Uh, you know, talk about the concept of owning your space. Really, that comes down to in a daily day in, in a day-to-day operational. You know, situation, the things you do. What does it look like to other people when other people are watching you? Can they tell you're passionate about being a certified athletic trainer? When they're watching you, can they tell that you're confident in what you do? That can they tell that you're approachable, that you're available to help them? Or if they're watching from the balcony, does it look the opposite of those things? Right. I think that's the biggest thing we can remember um, is just we have to look at ourselves from the outside regardless of what stage of our career that we're in. And just remember that it's, it's one thing of what we say, but it's another thing of how others perceive us. And that's something that we all have to continue to work on. I have to work on every day to remember that and, you know, and keep that in mind with messages I deliver or you know, ways I manage my team or just things I do myself. And, you know, we make mistakes when we're doing that. But if you're self-aware in that nature, you catch those mistakes you own up to them and you learn from them. That's all we can do because we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to do things, say things that we shouldn't do or, should, or shouldn't or should have done. Can't avoid that. All right. But learning from those and having the ability to receive that feedback from others and see yourself from the place of others. That's a. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a superhero skill if anyone can ever master that. That, yeah. that's something that will help you be really effective.
0: i Couldn't agree more and well said. All right. uh, Jumping into these, we're doing slightly out of order. We'll put the first one last, but where do you see the athletic training profession going in five to 10 years?
1: I think we're going to make a bigger impact on a lot more people beyond the sports realm. I think that we are going to do a better job of collaborating intra professionally with other healthcare and health and wellness professions. And i truly believe that if we do our due diligence at the grassroots effort of each one of us taking accountability and ownership of of our own space and doing what we can to portray to our community surrounding us the positive things of of an athletic trainer and what we do, that's going to have a ripple effect to the point where we're going to be very, very much more recognized um, across the board as to, you know, what is an athletic trainer? Um, and getting that respect that we continue to seek as a profession.
0: I like it. What advice would you give yourself as a young athletic trainer if you could go back, um, whenever it is, if you could just set the set the time frame of when? <laughs> what advice you'd give yourself?
1: Uh, well, uh, besides you know, make better clothing choices. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, for me, it's just a matter of of that power of self-reflection, check your ego, you know, Um, go into that first job with a willingness to learn from everyone around you, come into it with confidence. You have to showcase confidence in what you do, but also coming into it with, with that growth mindset of, I'm going to learn from everybody around me. And and I'm going to challenge what I've already learned. I'm going to, in some ways, challenge what other people have learned and share with them my perspective, but do it in a two-way conversation style that doesn't put up defense mechanisms. Um, And really ultimately going into it with building those relationships and having those conversations. That's what I wish I would have done better. Um, And I kind of had to learn that for myself. Uh, And it's something that I I continue to tell a lot of young professionals these days. I like it. Uh, What has been one of the
0: most influential resources that you've found in your career? Could be whatever that is.
1: I think quite honestly, uh, it has just been the people who have believed in me over the course of my career that have given me opportunities to both fail and succeed. Uh And, you know, countless times I've been, I still look back and think, wow, the timing of that was perfect about this opportunity was coming to a close and this one opened up. Or, you know, I I put the work in at this time, which opened this other opportunity because this person believed in me. And I'm so thankful for those people that, you know, in some way or another mentors that I've learned from uh, in my past, both in and out of our profession, who believed in me and gave me an opportunity to come in and try my best. And I think that's been the most influential resource for me uh, in terms of, Influencing my ability to be where I am right now, which I'm very proud to say where I'm where I'm at right now in, with my position in our, in our healthcare system, um, and I put the work in for it. But it's it's because also people have believed in me, and I've built relationships with them to buy to get that buy-in and that trust. Um, and they've helped me through my mistakes, and they've helped me to to grow from them. And that that's my biggest influence.
0: I like it. Yeah. Um, Thinking we might get some random you know really good resources and people is by and large which is a great thing the answer which is good um, you've kind of touched on this i think already but we're going to ask it anyway if you could change or eliminate one thing it could be a modality a common practice a mindset whatever um you want to go after in just the field of athletic training what would it be
1: I would eliminate the line in the sand that we draw between ourselves and other professionals.
2: Um, Ooh,
1: like not from a practice act perspective, because there are clear differences, yep. but from the collaborative perspective, okay. being able to reach out with other healthcare and health and wellness professionals and learn from each other, collaborate on special projects. Um, and you know, my next podcast is going to be sort of about that. It's going to give an example of how, uh, this, it's going to be the audio from a television interview I did with our former athletic training medical director. He's a sports medicine physician. And we're not even talking really about athletic training. We're talking about general health and wellness in the community. Okay. And it's just a good example of what we can do as athletic trainers to collaborate with other professionals to make an impact out in our community beyond just the people we treat on a daily basis. So Um, I think that's the the biggest thing is just eliminating that line in the sand, being aware of the differences and recognizing them and appreciating them, but also being able to reach across and and, uh, work together.
0: I like it. Last question is, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you?
1: This right here. um, I like it. I, I love every day. I love coming to work no matter how stressful it gets or how busy it gets. I love being able to do what I do with the ultimate outcome of it helps other people. Um, you know, in my career, my, my, my focus used to be on helping the, the patients directly. Right. Now right. it's more so I'm trying to set up our, our system and our team and support our team to make the biggest impact that we can to provide high-level health and yeah. risk payment services to those that we serve. Yep. And. You know for me, that is that's what athletic training is to me, but it's also different to everybody on my team because everybody has their own area of focus. So ultimately, what does athletic training mean to me? It means being able to have a positive impact on others and make a difference in their life because of the gifts that you bring. and, and being thankful for that. And I think that's something that if if we give back, things come back to us, and uh, that's something that we can all continue to just keep in mind
0: yeah what a powerful mindset to shift from that you know in the individuals to the much bigger thing that's awesome and i it's obviously going well and i'm assuming you guys have plans for a lot bigger things in the future so
1: yeah it's really exciting um the the last uh, three years we've grown from six uh outreach partnerships at one hospital to now we have over 30 at four hospitals
2: uh-huh.
1: and um a lot of them are the All of them are collaborative in nature. Uh, You know, we are looking to support the athletic trainers around our state, in our region, um, and and value them. And uh, it's been really exciting to see what that's done. So um, I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm thankful for my team. Without them, we wouldn't be having the success we have. They're the ones out there on the front lines doing it. Um, I'm trying to stay both, you know, I have the unique challenge of I got to keep my head in the clouds and my feet in the dirt. You know, because I have to look at things big picture, but I also cannot lose touch with what's going on clinically um, and on the ground with my team. And, and that's a challenge at times, but I have to continue to do my best to, to do that. I'm still fully licensed. I still dive in and I, co- I provide coverage, provide health care um, when I need to. And, and that's important. Uh, and uh, the key is, is trying to balance those, those two areas, but still being able to play my role almost as like the, you know, the, the, the facilitator of, of it all. And I love
0: it. Awesome. Well, I already have an idea for the next time we can hop on an episode interviewing you, so uh, we'll keep that one in mind for the future. Um, But just to wrap everything up, where can people find you? Obviously, we mentioned the Catalyzing Podcast, but any place else that they can reach out to you directly if they would like to?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joel, if you could put my contact information in the description, that'd be fantastic. I mean, the the Catalyzing ATS uh, handle on Twitter and Instagram, That is mostly geared toward the catalyzing podcast, uh, professional development, personal development for athletic trainers. But I also welcome you to reach out to me on my personal uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at rstevensatc. My email address is ryan.stevens at rwjbh.org. That's my, my work email, so you can reach out to me that way as well and, and I also welcome you know my, my cell phone out there uh, in, the, in the description as well because you know I'm always appreciative of, of other athletic trainers reaching out to me um, I'm happy to answer their questions I'm, I always have plenty of questions for them as well and so anything we can do to connect uh, is fantastic uh, it's pretty easy to find me on social media There's other Ryan Stevens out there, uh, which are are much more cool people than I am, but there's only one Ryan Stevens athletic trainer, I believe. So There you go. uh, That's how you can find that.
2: Awesome. We appreciate you taking the time, and thanks for being on the show. Awesome. Thanks, Joel, for the opportunity. I appreciate it.